Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty, soon to be joined by my brother Brian as we hit the Ag PhD Mailbag Show. It's going to be basically like a Farmer Friday, except we're doing it on a Tuesday because we had so many questions come in at the end of the year. And it's like, oh my goodness, look at all these questions that we've got. We're going to need a whole show just to try to get through some of those questions. And that's exactly what we're going to do today. So we'll keep our phone lines open throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. And if you've already sent an email in and you say, huh, I wonder if those guys will understand exactly what I meant, you can sure call in too and say, hey, I did send an email, uh, but I'd like to talk with you about it as we go. That That's pretty nice because oftentimes what we'll do is we'll give our our best answer, we'll try to figure it out the best we can, but there could be some other piece of information that you know that you might not even realize that you know that uh, you might say, well, wait a second, but this is on a river bottom, guys. Oh, we didn't realize that. You know, that kind of thing where it could really change what that recommendation might be. And that's exactly what's happening this time of year. Lots of planning, lots of recommendations being made. Uh, and, and just getting prepared for this 2024 growing season that I know it seems like it's a little ways off, but there's going to be corn going on the ground here in a month uh, in some parts of the United States. Well, that's that's pretty quick. And even for us in the great white north, it's not so white this year. It's kind of brown up here and it's been warm and we've got a 90 day forecast in front of us. Uh, e- even on our farm, our 90 day forecast is for normal to above normal temps and not that much snow. So that's that's kind of wonderful for us. That means we get a great chance of getting spring started on time. And for us, that usually means we've got a better shot at good planting conditions and setting ourselves up for better yields for the season. So we'll talk about that a little bit, what our planning is and things that are going on as we go. But we're going to hit the, the Ag PhD mailbag right now. All right, Brian. So let's talk nitrogen just to to begin. First of all, uh, we get well, we get a lot of nutrient questions, and and that's awesome. So don't don't just think, oh, these guys are the weed control guys or the weed of the week guys. Yeah, we can talk about that too. But uh, certainly, uh, we love talking about fertility on the show. This one comes from Diego. He's down in Argentina. He said, "All right, guys, I'm having a nitrogen deficiency showing up in my corn. My corn is at R2." I've got lower leaves showing this symptomology, uh, according to your Ag PhD deficiencies app. Yellowing up the midrib? Yes. Now, I can get a plane, and I can apply liquid, uh, but I can't apply dry. Uh, corn is just is too tall for me to get across to the sprayer. So Wait, wait, wait. What time, What did you say? What's, I, I thought you said it was early on. What stage? What did you say? No, no. You said I'm having a nitrogen deficiency at R2. Oh, R2. I was thinking V2. Okay. Yes. All right. So, now I got you. So R2, of course, is in the reproductive stages. So uh, after tasseling, R1 is, uh, you know, when you're silking and R2 is as those kernels are starting to get pollinated here. So, yeah, we're we're well into the season. And at that point, if you have the bottom leaf or two on your corn showing a nitrogen deficiency, it's not the end of the world. Nope. But I, I would prefer it if that didn't happen. But uh, it's not the end of the world, Diego. Uh, if you see multiple leaves at the bottom of the plant going yellow and you say, oh, my goodness, it's yellow and it's all the way up to the ear leaf. Yeah, you lost some serious yield there. The question is, uh, can he put something on low rate liquid like amino acids, uh, one of the natural products, 
anything with a high quality nitrogen, something, would it help? Would it green things back up? Mm. Well, would it help? Probably, if you're showing nitrogen deficiency, the the trouble is by the time you see a deficiency, you've already lost a bunch of yield. And so I usually look at when I've got a problem in a field, I say, okay, I got to do better on that next year. And I have to get that addressed more next year and try to stay ahead of it. Yeah, so talk, talk, talk about this, Brian. We've had some variable weather over the last few years. We've had a couple yep. really wet years, and now we've had a few really dry years. And for for us, when we get in those really dry years, the question is, well, there might be enough nitrogen out there, but can the roots even get it? And on the wet year, it might be, Wait, well, did well, we have nitrogen that got pushed down too deep in the soil or something like that? So kind of some different challenges okay. based on oh, weather. Okay, so if it is dry, I'm not too worried that the roots aren't going to get it, if you've got it in the ground, if you lay it on the soil surface, yes, that's a problem. But what he's talking about here is just foliar application. Can you do a low rate of a nitrogen product, foliar, and probably get some yield gain? Yes, most likely. It's just you look at the cost, you figure getting a plane out and the nitrogen, and you're like, ah, I don't know. So, I mean, honestly, if it's me, Sure, I'd try some things and I'd see. And I'd look at it as kind of a learning experience to try to figure out, all right, what's best? So I'd try two or three different things if I had some options. I'd try some natural products. I'd try some foliar in. But the big thing is moving forward, I'm kind of looking at, hey, I got to stay ahead of this thing. So honestly, and I know for Diego, he sends us emails all the time. He's doing a lot of soil testing, tissue testing, that kind of thing. I'd be doing nitrate soil testing in season, and I don't know how much rain you have in your area, okay? I'll, I can talk about, uh, you know, all the way from super wet to super dry, and I also don't know how much your soil can hold at any one time. So is it light ground? Is it heavy ground? That's going to make a lot of difference too. Where I'm going with this is you can put on more and earlier, the heavier your ground and the less rainfall you have. And that's kind of where Darren's point was on this wet and dry situation, like uh, even on our own farm and what we deal with. So in the drier years, I'd rather have more nitrogen out there early. I'm not worried I'm going to lose it. we got super heavy ground. It's going to be just fine. But on the wet years, and, you know, this is the challenge. You don't know when a wet year is coming or when it's a dry year. And so it's really hard to say this exactly. But I am saying... I want to try to be ahead on my nitrogen program, and I don't want my plant to have a bad day. I don't want my plant to be suffering. I don't want my plant to have those deficiency symptoms. So in the future, I'm going to be soil testing. I'm going to be looking at organic matter. I'm going to try running some calculations and figuring out how much nitrogen do I need and how much nitrogen do I have here and will I have here in my soil so then I have a better understanding of do I need to put more on or less. So, yeah, I just try some things. There's no home run answer here, but, yes, some nitrogen absolutely could help. Stay tuned. We'll get to more of your questions next. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Improve germination in your fields with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our unique spike design seals your seed within a firm vein of soil, providing maximum seed-to-soil contact and maximum germination. Order a set for your planter at farmshopmfg.com. 
It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Get the most from every acre on your farm by attending Ag PhD's workshops and clinics this winter. I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting several free workshops throughout January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn and soybeans, a soils clinic, and a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information and we can't wait to share it with you. Best of all, these events are free, so be sure to check them out. Register today at agphd.com. Are you ready? We got the need, the need for seed treatment. Start your engines. Ready, set, Intego. Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. listening to Ag PhD Radio, and if it sounds a little like a Farmer Friday, it kind of is. It's just a Tuesday, but we've had so many questions come in at the end of the year, first of the year, that we thought, man, we better take a whole show just to try to get through as many of these questions as we can. So it's kind of like a Farmer Friday, except it's on Tuesday. So our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can always email us questions as well, radio at agphd.com. Well, Darren, I think more than anything today, we were hoping to get to a lot of these questions because uh, last week you promised everyone, Darren, we were going to get through all the questions and then you got sick and I, I apparently was slow. So I didn't even come close to getting through all the questions. What do you got next? Okay. I got one on a, an older product. Uh, this one comes in from Devin. Uh, I said, do you guys have any experience with the product Amplify D or similar products? I don't have in-furrow or 2 by 2 on the planter, so I'm trying to find a dry formulation like a soybean inoculant that we use on beans, except this would be for corn. So just kind of curious what's out there. Okay, so when you look at Amplify D, that has been around for a long time. Yeah. And it's got uh, it's got to some me micronutrients. like we used some 20 years ago or something. Yeah, it's got some yeah. micronutrients in it, but the, the key kind of differentiator in there is it has something called adenosine monophosphate and to me that sounds like phosphate and a phosphate group is one of the three things that it's got but it also has uh, the sugar ribose and then it's got a nucleobase adenine which means it's got a nitrogen group so it's got a phosphorus a nitrogen group and a sugar and I thought it was kind of interesting just I thought I'm just gonna look up adenosine monophosphate a little bit it's also used as a dietary supplement to increase energy levels and improve athletic performance in humans. <laughs> kind of a side note. And I'm not suggesting you use Amplify D for that, but that's kind of what they're trying to do, get things a jump start out of the ground. And there are a lot of other products out there now. This one's an older one. Um, if it was great, I would assume they would be widely used. Yeah. But it's not, and there's a lot of different things. Uh, so there's there's products out there like Max NS is one that we're going to use. It would be a planter box. Um, 
with an 80-20 talc graphite mix in it, and it's also carrying some naturals and some nutrients in there. Uh, that That's something we're going to do. So if you don't have a, an infer or a 2x2, two two, you may look at some products like that that you could mix right on. So we're seeing a lot of them. I know we had used a product, NutraShield, and, and we'll still use some NutraShield too, but uh, it's that's natural products on a talc base. Um, but we're just seeing a lot more opportunities out there in that market. That's really growing. It's on millions of acres, those types of products. So that's something I'd take a look at. Max NS would be M-A-X-X-N-S, and, and there's others as well. Uh, thanks, Devin. Yeah, you got lots of options out there in that market now because there's so many planters that don't have in-furrow capabilities or, or the ability to put on two-by-two. All right. Uh, I mentioned we're the weed of the week, guys, and we got a question that came in from Ryan. He said, all right, guys, you talk on soybeans a lot about using the three pre's. I agree with this, and I do use this on my own farm, but I don't hear you guys talk about the rate recommendations for specifically those three products. I know with Metribuzin, it's pH specific, but here's what I've been doing, and just give me a, a little feedback. Is it too much or too little of anything? So I've been running three to six ounces of Metribuzin, depending on the soil pH. I've been running three ounces of Valor, and I've been running one pint of Prowl. Uh, what's the soil type, and where's he at? Well, that's a great question. So so there, that also uh, okay. determines uh, things a little right. bit, right? Well, let's just talk about it a little bit. Okay, so let's, let's talk about Metribuzin first. And I'm going to talk in pounds here, okay? But in, for Metribuzin, the full rate is two-thirds of a pound in a lot of soils. We will typically only talk about using a maximum of one-third of a pound just to be on the safe side because here's what we find. Few people do one-acre soil test grids like we do, and many people have high pH spots on their farm. In high pH spots, Metribuzin is much more active, so you can figure two to three times the activity when your soil pH is, let's call it eight, instead of six. So if I have two to three times the activity, that means I can use half to a third and I still get by just fine. So what we often tell people, the simple recommendation is this. Use a third of a pound of Metribuzin. That's our standard thing. As long as your pH is less than 7.4. If it's 7.4 and above, I'd cut it in half, probably a sixth of a pound, maybe even go to an eighth of a pound if your soil pH is real high. The other thing with Metribuzin is you can't use it if it's real sandy. So we would tell you if your cation exchange capacity is less than 10, I'm concerned, less than 5, no chance I'm using it. So that's the thing with Metribuzin. Don't use it in sandy ground. Less than 5 cation exchange capacity for sure, I'm cutting the Metribuzin. Okay, Valor. In the spring, you can use up to three ounces. I like three ounces. I just get concerned when it's applied pre-emerge, after planting. If you get a big rain, you might see some splash up off the ground. So if you applied it early pre-emerge, or, or early pre-plant, I should say, not as worried because you have more time to get rain, less chance for the splash up. If you lightly till it in, I'm not real worried. We lightly till in a lot of our Valor, for example, works just fine. Okay, so two ounces is kind of the minimum rate, three ounces maximum rate. I like three ounces because you absolutely will get better weed control. Then let's talk about Prowl. One pint is an off-label low rate. So I'm not saying you won't get some activity out of it. You will. But 
you're not going to get a lot because we'd like to see, depending on the formulation of Prowl, it's somewhere around three pints. So you're at a one-third rate. So you just, you're just not going to get much from it. So would I bump it? Sure I would. Then I'm going to have better grass control. I'm going to have better broadleaf control. And a lot of people just think about Prowl as a grass herbicide. Prowl, Trifluralin, Sonlent, they are not just grass herbicides. They actually, and especially when you keep the rate up, they have really good activity on palmer pigweed, water hemp, lamb's quarters, and a number of other tougher-to-control broadleaf weeds. Small-seeded broadleaves is what we typically talk about, or as our dad used to call them, the manure weeds. But those small-seeded broadleaves, like I say, the pigweeds, lamb's quarters, that kind of stuff, um, the yellows are actually pretty darn good. So, yeah, we don't talk all the time about the rates simply because what did I spend there? Several minutes just running through each product. Um, I guess that's, and you can see I gave you ranges on things. So this is one of the things where we like people just talking to their local agronomists so you know your area, your soils, your rainfall, how you're applying it. And then you can make a better choice on, well, what rate is really truly appropriate for me? All right, Brian, had a little feedback from Diego on nitrogen. He said, hey, I wanted to share with you what I'm using for nitrogen applications, and I'm going to use my wheat crop here as an example for it. And he sent a chart. He said, I, I think it's really nice to, to utilize as many of these tools as we can. So first, I'm soil sampling, so I know what my nitrate levels are when I start the year. I'm Great. using my CEC yep. to determine what's my top nitrogen for that field, no more than yep. 10 times my CEC. Yep. Then I'm correlating my yield with my max NDVI readings, and I create an algorithm with every different crop that I'm using. So every time I harvest, I upload my yields, and my algorithm continues to improve. And third, I add all the nitrogen that's in the soil plus my initial fertilizer and use the equation to know where my yield is at. I'm using your fertilizer removal app uh, and converting nitrogen to yield. So I'm on year five of this, and I'm only applying nitrogen when I need it. Hey, okay. Thanks, Diego. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear all that. Two things I didn't hear in there that I'm, I just want to know. One would be, what are you figuring for soil organic matter? The more soil organic matter you have, the more free release of nitrogen you're going to get during the season. So in other words, you can cut back on the nitrogen applied if you've got a bunch of organic matter out there. So that would be one thing that I'm figuring into the equation. Is that part of CEC? Yes. That's unfortunately not the biggest part of CEC. That's really the clay. But that is a part of CEC. So the higher cation exchange capacity you have, the more organic matter you likely have. But anyway, that would be one thing. And then the other thing is when you start talking about correlating things with NDVI, when we're looking at satellite imagery, and let, let's be even more specific here, the color of the plant is really what we're talking about. The color can vary depending on variety, number one, and number two, by the time you sense or something senses, whether it's a drone, satellite imagery, whatever, the NDVI looks bad. You may have already given up a little bit of yield, so I'm slightly concerned there. But as long as you time it right, shouldn't be too bad. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. 
you can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experience the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids. Extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. Effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car, steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. The greatest herbicide of all time earned its title by defending your soybean fields. Authority Supreme Herbicide's low-use rate formula delivers longer-lasting control of broadleaf weeds and grasses, providing you with the best-in-class combination of Group 14 PPO herbicide sulfentrazone and Class 15 molecule pyroxysulfone that outlast the competition. We're Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC, and we play to win. Learn more at authoritysupreme.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're taking your calls and questions throughout the show today at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. This is a pretty common question here, Brian. It comes in from AO, who says, hey, uh, you guys are doing a great job. Got one question I, I'm sure you've answered before. Uh, is the amount of nutrients given on the fertilizer removal app per acre or per hectare? It's actually per bushel. It's per yield, it's per ton, per bushel, that kind of thing. So when you type in, uh, for example, just say you're in the U.S. and you're using just our standard measurements and you're measuring by bushels and you say, I'm shooting for 200 bushel corn, it gives you how many pounds you need for 200 bushels of grain. Uh, so it doesn't really matter if that's per acre or per hectare or whatnot. That's how much you would have to apply uh, per acre or per hectare for that yield goal. Let's hope that's per half acre for us this year, Darren. Well, that'd be wonderful. That'd be, we wouldn't know what to do, Brian. You know, or two-thirds I, of an acre. Hey, and that, that does bring what do you up mean we wouldn't know what to do? I absolutely know what okay, I do. Okay, I was just talking to a farmer today uh, up in northern Minnesota, and he said they had to add two large grain bins on their farm uh, over this past year, and they were really happy they did because yeah. elevators filled up and, yep. and a lot of guys yep. were stuck waiting to harvest. 
Uh, and you know, we were just talking about that. It's like, gosh, guys have not in the, in that area, they're raising great yields now. And they said they just haven't increased their bin size enough to keep up with how much yields have gone up. And it kind of got me thinking about tiling and I think, okay, when's the last time, you know, for a lot of guys in Iowa, for example, when's the last time that you had to put brand new tile in? And many guys will be like, well, I don't know. Everything's been tiled here for 20 or 30 years. Yeah. Well, when's the last time you put up a new grain bin? But yet your yields are going up every year. And doesn't it make sense that as your yields go up, you should be adding a grain bin too? And we're seeing a lot of farmers now that are kind of at the mercy of elevators for, well, nobody's taking right now. So we're harvesting just a little bit at a time as, you know, they'll only take a load a day or something like that. And it's all fine and dandy when you have a great fall like we had in 2023 in most areas. But if you don't and it goes against you and you get those October snows, uh, no fun. So anyway, it's just kind of interesting. Their, their limit too in northern Minnesota, by the way, was power. And he said, guys are using generators up there because mm-hmm. the cost of putting three phase in was just astronomical and they could get generators and do stuff a lot cheaper. So I thought it was kind of interesting. Hmm. Yeah, that was one of the things that our dad talked to us about often when we were younger is having bin space, Not even if you didn't, even if you liked the price right then, the whole thing for him was I want to get harvest done fast because I got other things to do rather than sit in a truck well, I'm waiting in line to dump a load. We got to go because weather can be against us here. And we got a lot of other things we're trying to do on the fall. Everything from tillage to tiling, fertilizer applications, spraying herbicide, you name it. Now, Darren, you made a comparison there with the tile and the grain bins. The thing is, you add a grain bin, that increases your capacity. What are you going to do for tile you can't just go add a line no, I'm, in I'm, your field. I guess what I was trying to get at was your main line that is still the same size. You what, literally what, have to upsize your main line. What I was trying to get at is I, I know for some some farmers that I talk to, some younger farmers, they say, "Well, I've never put any tile in. My grandpa did, my dad did. It's done. I, I've never had to do it." Yeah, that's and if great. you've got things that you've never had to do, like applying sulfur, I've talked to some farmers that say, "Well, I've never had to apply sulfur before." Yes, we used to have a lot of sulfur we got for free with air pollution. But that's not the case now. And so you just have to be ready. There's a lot of things that you may never have done before or may never have had to do, but conditions change over the years. And now all of a sudden, you know what? Things aren't working so good. I might have to do that thing that I've never done and before. And quite frankly, markets change. Even for us, uh, we used to bin everything. Every single bushel ran through the dryer. I don't care what the moisture was. I don't care how many bushels we had. We ran everything through the dryers. And we kept building bins, building bins. Well, now we got a huge dairy next to us that they want silage, they want grain, they want alfalfa, they want everything, they want it immediately. And so we just, we have adjusted. A little bit different. Okay. Uh, I got a soil test here, a series of soil tests. This one comes in from Vaughn, and, and we had previously answered a question, or at least tried to answer a question, but we asked for some more soil samples to back this up. Sure. Uh, he said, all right, uh, just to rehash my original question, he said, we added too much lime over the years. Now our pH is 7.5 to 7.7. Yep. Uh, we do have tile. We've got uh, system tile, and drainage is good. But in some spots, uh, due to this high pH, uh, the corn, the ears were so short, uh and yields were 225 okay. in good areas, but not in the okay. poor. Soybeans were poor. We're suspecting that the high pH is stopping iron. Uh, it's in the wrong form. It's not getting into the plant well, but we know we're short in phosphorus, too. What do you guys see? Okay. Well, first of all, I don't know what test we're dealing with here, if it's a Malik 3 test or not. Knowing the lab, I'm assuming it is. 
So when I look at iron, for example, I'm assuming that's a Malik 3 test is a little bit on the low side for me, a little bit. Now on your test, it says high. So anyway, I, I, I guess I'd just say, is that something where maybe I would consider adding? Yes. We do know this. Lime, like one of the first nutrients that it ties up quite often, is iron. Now that goes away in time. If you give it three years to break down for that that lime to break down, it'll it'll improve. But this is one of the reasons why, personally, like on our own farm, I love using water treatment lime. You know why? Because it's high in iron. So I've got iron in there to offset any damage or any tie-up that would be done by the calcium that we're adding. So we're in a little bit different situation than you are if you're just getting regular ag lime. So in the future, if I'm going to do a bunch of liming, number one, I would consider using some iron with it. And number two, I would consider cutting my rate back on lime so I'm not getting myself real carried away. But yes, you got pHs in the sevens now. It's not the end of the world. I, just, I don't have a complete test here, so I can't tell you if we got more issues in this. So, for example, I, I don't see sodium. I'd love to see how, how is your sodium level. And anyway, so I do see this. You got nutrients that are out of balance. If you get those nutrients in balance, then maybe your pH will start to go down. That's exactly what happened happen on our farm. Your phosphorus is terribly low. Um, you got 5 to 10 parts per million. Personally, like if this is a Malik 3 test, and again, I don't know if it is. Oh, wait, I'll take it back. That's, that's a Bray 1 test. So a Bray 1 test, I'd like to see 50 at least. You're at 5 to 10. Uh, so that's out of balance in your soil. Your potassium is less than 100 parts per million, and your base saturation K, 1.5 to 1.9. Those are problems. Uh, in addition to that, your zinc is at 2 parts per million. I'd like that in ratio with my phosphorus that I would have at 50, 10 to 1 ratio, so i got to have my zinc at 5. Your sulfur is less than 10, and whenever you have high pH. You want to be pushing the sulfur. I'm not saying you have to throw tons of sulfur out there, but am I going to put on more than crop removal and quite a bit more? Yeah. Yeah, I am. I mean, I'd at least be putting, let's call it 100 or maybe even 200 pounds of elemental sulfur on. I, I would certainly take a look at that. Uh, boron, you're a little bit low on. You're one part per million or less. So if you just address those nutrients, then I think you're going to be in a lot better shape. But he did say here there's a one that said bad, one that said good. Well, and I think this is where he's going with this. In the good area, his iron says 40 parts per million. In the bad area, 22 parts per million on iron. So could that be a part of it? Absolutely. But I'd also say your parts per million on potassium is almost double in the good area versus the bad area. That's another thing that we usually see. So get these nutrients more in balance, and I think you're going to be just fine over time. And by the way, your calcium to magnesium ratio, those things and percent in the base saturation is really not that bad. So you're not bad. I think things are going to get better over time. Just get some more of the nutrients out there that you need, and you'll be fine. All right, kind of opposite situation here. This is Amar. He said, I'm banding PNK granule fertilizer in my 5-pH soil. My PNK levels are low, and I want to put even more PNK out there in a liquid form. Would I have to broadcast that, or could I also band that in the same furrow where the PNK granules are going? Or is that too much? Uh, well, this furrow that we're talking about, how... Wait, is this put on with a planter? Dry PNK with a planter? Looks like In it. the furrow? Looks I don't like, like that at all. 
I don't like dry P and K in the furrow. You're most likely going to hurt yourself there. So would I do it? No, I would not. I'm great with putting dry P and K down in a strip till well below the seed, but when it's in furrow, we get really concerned. So put it off to the side or put it down deep. Otherwise, don't put any more P and K on, and I'd probably cut way back on, on what you're planning on. Yeah, I'd probably broadcast the dry, and then with the liquid, use a low-rate, low-salt yes. product. Otherwise, you could risk injuring your seed. Hey, thanks for the question, Amar, and we'll be right back after this. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year, BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Water Hemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of fierce herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plans, do you think you could cut your farm's fertility expenses, maybe even increase your yields? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're holding our Ag PhD Soils Clinic on Tuesday, January 16th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the single most important day you spend in your farming career, and it's free. So register now at agphd.com. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. Take your tillage to the next level with the Insight Universal Tillage Tool from McFarland Ag. With more adjustability and flexibility, the Insight is the ultimate one-pass tillage tool. Visit McFarlandAg.com to find your closest dealer. Join us in Houston for Commodity Classic, America's largest farmer-led, farmer-focused agricultural and educational event, New Frontiers in Agriculture, February 28th through March 2nd, 2024. Houston, we have no problem. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio and we're taking your calls and questions throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. 
Got this one in from Daryl. He said, hey guys, just wondering, what would you recommend for a soil uh, such as the ones highlighted and several others on this sheet? They're high in pH, high in sodium, and also about equal parts of percentages anyway, calcium and magnesium as shown here. Uh, what do you guys think about this? What would you do? A lot of these, a lot of the words and the numbers are blurry. So, and it's not my vision today. I, I, I didn't party it up that much over New Year's. But anyway, um, yeah, so you got to give me just a second here. Uh, I, I would say this. If you look at the sodium, you're at 4% sodium. Four. That's, it's not killing you on yield, but it, it is already hurting your yield. So that's one of the first things. So I'm assuming, let's see, okay, Texas, Panhandle of Texas. I, I'm assuming, well, maybe not Panhandle, but anyway, uh, West Texas. It, it's got to be irrigated. And so I'm, I'm just wondering about, okay, with sodium, and whenever we're irrigating, I worry a lot about where's the water going. If we put water on, is it going up or is it going down or is it going into the plant? When when I see higher sodium and salt levels, that tells me one of a couple of things. Either, number one, we got a lot of water that's evaporating from the soil, leaving salt uh, behind. But then the other thing is, is our irrigation water quality ideal? So if it's not ideal, then I'm usually looking for another water source or I just have to continue treating and continue trying to flush, for example, like in this case, sodium out of that soil. So when I see higher sodium levels, I'm wondering, do I have good drainage, number one? If I don't have good drainage, I'm putting tile in the ground. And then the next thing is sulfur. I'm really taking a look at sulfur because if I, if I can get sulfate to bind with sodium, I form sodium sulfate. That's a salt. Salts are leachable. So that's really the biggest thing that I'm after here. But yeah, I'm, I'm just really having a tough time trying to read any of this stuff. Um, I, I mean, it's it just, it's taking a while because it's just, it's all like a blur, but I can see there's a P with some letters behind it. So got to be phosphorus, for example. Oh, you got it. Did you email it over to me? Uh, I'm looking for what? it right now. So I'm going to see oh. if Janelle can find that original email and see it. We, oh. we've, I've got a printout copy. Let's let's come back to yes, Daryl. Let's come back to that. I And during the break, maybe I'll see if I can get that email. And maybe there's a little more clear picture of this because, boy, it's hard to read. Go ahead. Okay. This one comes from Kale over in uh, eastern Minnesota. And he said, hey, guys. This one, by the way, is easy to read. I'm so. a junior in high school working <laughs> on our FFA's corn and soybean uh, acres here. So here's our soil sample results. We grew 209 bushel corn last year, and we're going to plant soybeans most likely here in 2024. It's river bottom ground with sand, <laughs> no tile. Uh, our base saturation calcium uh, appears too high. Wondering how we correct that. Yeah, the reason why is you have excess lime. When you look at the excess lime rate, it's saying medium to high. So there's a, there's so much calcium in the soil, it's not even being held by the soil you've got so much. If you tiled it out, then you could flush a bunch of that out with not all that much difficulty. But go ahead, Darren. Okay, so, uh, of course, with that high calcium, we've got a high pH. Yep. And our base saturations in K and magnesium are low. Uh, also boron low, which maybe isn't unusual in the sand, but just curious what you guys think. Can we do something with those things? 
Well, you know what? Okay, so it said sand a... twice. Is it really sand? Now this says thirty cation exchange capacity. It's not actually that high because the excess lime. The excess lime is Throwing making it yeah, making it look higher. So I don't really know exactly what it is. If I had to guess, I'll bet it's twenty though. Okay, so time out. This is a thirty acre field. This is the FFA's yep. plots. Yep. So thirty acres. If you put in tile in there, say you spent a thousand dollars an acre, you probably have thirty thousand well, bucks. You're the FFA. Exactly. Go go ask people for donation. Go ask somebody who does tile. Hey, would you help help the help out the FFA? You know, and in a lot of cases, you can get people like that somebody to donate might, the labor. Somebody might have a machine yeah, and we'll yep, do the labor. And, yep. And then you find somebody else to sponsor the the tile or go to a tile company. So yeah, absolutely. That's what I do. Plus, but you need what a, tile. What a great project. Right. For FFA kids yep. to to do a, a tiling project that would be that would be amazing. I bet you'd win a ton of awards, not just on a state level, but potentially a national level if you did this right. Uh, it, it could be interesting just talking about improving the soil long term. And and uh, Kale's a junior, so he's got a couple of years here to maybe next year they could get that thing going when he's a senior or this fall after the crop comes out, that kind of thing. Yeah, and by the time Kale has kids that are in the FFA, this ground's going to be amazing. <laughs> well, <laughs> well seri- in all seriousness, maybe. though, it takes time. Uh, right, it does take time. Now, I'm not saying it's going to take 30 years or 20 years or whatever, but it's going to take some time to get that calcium out and, and and get everything else in. Now, getting a lot of the other things in line, we can do that quickly if you want to. I mean, when I look at it and I go, okay, we're on a Malik three test here. So phosphorus, I want to be a minimum of 100 parts per million, and the highest you got is 92, and you're as low as 45. You need more phosphorus. The potassium, you got 157 parts per million in a 30, or even if if we figure real is going to be 20 cation exchange capacity, that's not going to cut it. You're just flat out too low. This field needs potassium. It needs phosphorus. It needs sulfur. It needs a little bit of zinc. It needs some copper. It needs some boron. You see where I'm going with this. It needs lots of stuff. So, I, I, I what was, what, where did we start with this? What, what was the question? What would I do for, for yeah, what would you do with that soil uh, with, I'd, with that excess lime? Yeah. So, I'd, I'd put a, I'd it's not put, a short term fix. No, but I would, I would put tile in the ground and then I, keep applying excess sulfur every year and over time it will flush out so whether it's uh, gypsum or elemental sulfur either way i'm fine just get some extra sulfur out there and you'll be in pretty good shape the problem with the gypsum and so when i say i'm fine with gypsum in a normal situation, I'm, I'm much more fine with that. The problem, if you add gypsum here, you're going to be putting more calcium out. So if it's me, I'm putting elemental sulfur out. And then, I mean, this isn't going to amount to much. But if you put some zinc out, you might put out zinc sulfate. Copper, you're putting out copper sulfate, things like that. So it's not going to help you a whole lot. Uh, but, you know, even manganese, or sorry, magnesium, you probably could use just a little bit of magnesium, some magnesium sulfate. So you'll get some more sulfur that way. But yeah, otherwise it's just throwing, let's call it 100, 200 pounds of elemental sulfur out. You do that every year for 10 years. You're going to flush that calcium out. This is going to be more productive. And it's it's not like it's bad right now. The yield's not bad. But I mean, if I'm the FFA and I'm, I'm saying, okay, long term, let's learn on this. My 10-year goal would be, hey, 10 years from now, we want to have a field that does 300. There's no reason why you can't if you tile and if you fertilize. 
All right. Thanks for the question, Kale, and good luck. Uh, get this one in from Clint over in Illinois. He said, guys, considering starter fertilizer, how do you pencil it out uh, just to pay for it while also putting on dry fertilizer needed that's needed according to a soil test? I realize nutrient availability of dry and liquid can be different, but it still gets pricey with removal rates and what a quality liquid costs. Well, yeah, but I mean, you just look at return on investment, do side by sides. That's what we did ourselves. When we we used to use 1034-0, switch to low salt stuff. We use a lot of ag liquid now. I mean, the reason why we're going agri-liquid stuff is we ran trials. We had more yield. I, you know, it, it, it's and, not. And we're often using pretty low rates of those liquids. Yes. That's been yes. a nice thing. We've got highly available products, as you mentioned there, Clint, that, that sometimes yeah. they are more available. Right? Yes, that's that, that well, can be true. It's not always true. We're not putting be. 20 gallons of P&K in the furrow or anything and, like that. We're just putting a little bit out there. Yeah, and if, if just say, for just for an example, uh, say it was 10 pounds of P and 10 pounds of K, and we needed 100 of each, then we put the other 90 on with our broadcast, and we put the 10 on there. So we'd add it up. So it's not like we're putting on 100 in the broadcast that's going to cover everything, and then we're also adding another 10 in the starter. No, we're, we're well, using it as, yeah, but as maybe, the whole program. Maybe, because what we found with broadcast is we can't recover it all this year. If I put 100 pounds of fertilizer out there broadcast, P and K, there's no possible chance I'm getting all that out of the soil this year. I'd be lucky, really lucky to even get half. So we need something to supplement early in the season when it's cold and especially on lower fertility ground. All right, we'll get back to more of your questions next. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. You have a lot at stake when it comes to raising corn. I'm Darren Hefty. That's why on Wednesday, January 17th, we're holding a free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll help you navigate all the challenges of corn production, including how to manage exploding pest populations, resistant diseases, fertility challenges, and more. It's a day packed with information. So if you want to get the most out of your corn this season, don't miss the free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop. Register now at agphd.com. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Can you predict the future? I can't. That's why when I'm planting soybeans, I treat with Heads Up Seed Treatment. With more than 15 years of research, Heads Up offers proven protection against both white mold and sudden death syndrome. So no matter what the year throws at you, you've already taken that first step to be prepared. Don't let your beans suffer from disease when they're just starting to look their best. Tell your seed dealer you need Heads Up Seed Treatment. Learn more at headsupst.com. How can Naturals products help you raise bigger and better crops? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. Biologicals, or Naturals as we call them, are impacting every facet of agriculture today, and that will only grow in the future. That's why we're devoting a full day to our Ag PhD Naturals workshop. 
Wednesday, February 7th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of Naturals products, and we want to share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. There's an innovative new soybean herbicide on the market that's helping close the door on weed resistance and open new doors to productivity. Preview 2.1 SC Herbicide from UPL is a multi-mode of action pre-emergent that controls the most resistant broadleaf weeds at the beginning of the season and continues to control later weeds with strong residual activity. Ask your retailer about Preview 2.1 Herbicide from UPL and always read and follow label directions. back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, taking your calls and questions throughout the rest of the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Going to dive back into a question from Daryl. He's down in Texas, and he had a soil test or a series of soil tests that he sent in, and just kind of curious about, about what to do. And Brad said, man, I can't read it. There's a lot of fine print on here, and it got just a little bit blurry in the scan. Um, but he's got high pH, high sodium, and calcium and magnesium are about the same. And he, he wanted to make some adjustments there. So, yeah, so we did find the email, and then I could blow it up on my screen, and then the stuff that was blurry, eh, it's still a little blurry, but when it's gigantic, then I can read it fairly well. So here, here are the big things that stand out to me. He's got cation exchange capacity of 10 to 12. So that's, we're going to call it a medium textured soil. It's kind of on the light end. So, yeah, it's it's not heavy ground. So, I, I mean, I think it's, and I said this earlier when we started talking about it, I think it's fairly apparent in his area, and with that light of soil, it's got to be irrigated. And I was concerned, number one, about the amount of sodium. He's got 4% sodium in the base saturation test and 40 to 46% magnesium. That is a lot of magnesium. So it's a high mag soil, as a lot of people would call it, and it's high sodium. Those two things are the reason why the pH is all the way at 8 to 8.4. So it's really high. Here's the one piece of very good news. Um, potassium, looking good. Um, so 7% base saturation potassium. Um, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about the potassium level that's out there. I'm not feeling so great about the phosphorus level. Phosphorus is 23 to 29 in a Malik 3 test. So if it's me, I'm adding phosphorus. And then I'm looking at some of the micronutrients, uh, Zanke's 1.5, copper 0.4, iron 5. Here's a challenge. He's got Malik 3 on potassium and sulfur and phosphorus and not running a malic 3 they're running a dtpa test on zinc iron manganese and copper i'll tell you right now the dtpa test and manganese i don't like it it correlates in our in all our trial work it correlates only to ph not to the actual manganese level in the soil so personally i'd like to see a malic 3 test out there but really the biggest things that i see you need are number one phosphorus number two sulfur and then yeah add some more micronutrients but you get the sulfur out there and you're going to start flushing some of the the excess sodium and the excess magnesium out of the soil so we've talked to neil kinsey we've had him on the show here a number of times talking about soils kind of like this neil is one of the world's leading soils experts and he does uh, he comes up to do a three-day soil seminar 
right on our farm every year. It's late February. If you're interested in that, just go to agphd.com. He is really sharp on this stuff. But anyway, he talks often about how it takes one pound of sulfur to get rid of one pound of sodium and two pounds of sulfur to get rid of one pound of magnesium. So in other words, it takes a lot. And I'm not saying you're going to fix anything overnight, but would I consider adding some gypsum out there in these bad spots that you highlight or, or uh, the, these these fields that you where you've got the the problem yes because you got other areas where you've got 70 percent calcium out in the soil not 40 like you have here and other areas where at least your magnesium is down into the 20s not 40 to 46 like you have in these two spots so those are really the challenges you've got there. It's very high magnesium. Now, don't get me wrong. If it's lighter soil, like 10 CEC, I don't mind it if the cat, cat or the uh, uh, the base saturation test is showing me I'm at 20% magnesium. I don't really want that on a super heavy soil, but 20% magnesium, fine. 40%, yeah, it, you, you have a challenge there. It's going to be sticky soil, and it's going to throw a lot of other things off. Also, you have to keep your potassium high because right now you might look at your base saturation test and you go, well, I have as high as 11 in one spot. I got 7%, 8% in a few spots. You need to keep it that high because here's the thing. I mean, for now, because magnesium competes directly with potassium. I can show you tests we've run where if I put on a bunch of potassium, my magnesium level in the plant goes down. If I have very low potassium, my magnesium in the plant is much higher. So you've got to try to keep those in balance, in ratio. And right now, um, it's you're pushing it with all that magnesium you have there. So keep your potassium level up until you get that magnesium down to 20%. Even then, I mean, where your potassium at is is fine. I'm not saying it needs to be lower than 7 or 8%, but just make sure you're keeping it there and not dropping the potassium because as soon as most people hear me say something like, oh, you're in great shape on potassium, they automatically go, well, I guess I'll just skip the potassium this year. I'm just saying don't skip the potassium. Keep putting out what your crop is going to remove at least. Keep your levels where they're at. You got three to 400 parts per million on potassium. That's great. Keep it there, and you'll be fine, at least on that end. All right. Thanks for the question. Uh, got, got another soil to look at. This one comes in from Trent, and he said, guys, uh, these this field was soybeans in 2023, going to go corn 2024. We were very dry uh, from May 1st to September 15th. This field's been, it's got good soil other than a few lighter ridges, but it's been consistently underperforming, and it shouldn't be. Uh, we did pull some soybean cyst nematode tests. We're suspecting we could have a nematode issue. We haven't got those results back yet. Uh, we're going to put on a whole bunch of P and K out there and 100 pounds of ammonium sulfate. The rest of our nitrogen will be 160 pounds of urea later. Uh, and then potentially after harvest this year, we're considering applying some elemental sulfur trying to bring this pH down. Uh, just curious what you guys see here and what you would do. Okay, well, I'll just, I'll be blunt because I guess I always am. Um, it's not a surprise. The field is disappointing. You don't have any P and K out there. I mean, 
you have and and soybeans. You mentioned you didn't get any rain till uh, well after September fifteenth. The beans are already made by that point. So if you don't get rain and soybeans need all their fertility really quick when they're starting to fill those pods, late July, you're, early you're toast if you don't have right. a really high concentration of fertility. So let's put it this way. I have soils that are similar. Your cation exchange capacity is 19 to 24. I want my parts per million on potassium to be, hmm, let's call it 500. You're at 80. So it's really low. And on the phosphorus, uh, let's see, I'm not, did you see what phosphorus test they ran? I don't know. No. So I'm not sure what kind of phosphorus test, but... What but it's it said, in the single digits. It says it? six. So I don't. Even if you're running an Olson test, um, that's not good. So you're just really low on P and K. So that's number one. Get the P and the K up. But on top of that, there's no zinc out there. There's no copper out there. I mean, you need a lot of fertility. Get the fertility levels up, and your yields absolutely are going to go up. But almost every single nutrient you've got, whether it's P, K, sulfur, zinc, iron, manganese, copper, boron, they're all low. And I am i don't just mean low. They are very, very, very low. Get them up. You'll be fine. All right. Thanks for the question. Oh, and by the way, I, I know you talked about the elemental sulfur thing. Get all these nutrients in balance first. I'm not would I spend a, a few dollars on elemental sulfur? A few, but not many. Until I get everything else in balance. Once you get everything else in balance, you might find that your pH may start to neutralize. It's 8284 right now. I could easily see that being 75 once you get all these nutrients in balance and you start raising a really good crop again. Uh, you'll get that pH down a ways. All right, a uh, quick one here for you, Brian. This is from Cole up in central North Dakota. We're having trouble with weed control like red root pigweed. We've got conventional alfalfa, not Roundup Ready. We're trying to keep it out. Also wondering uh, about P and K in our alfalfa stand. Is there a way to keep up with nope. applications during a crop? No, nope. and what weed did you say? Red root pigweed. Oh, red root isn't so bad because Pursuit would probably get it. Um, Buckterol's not that great on it, but you that's all you've got is Pursuit or Raptor, uh, basically the same thing. Buckterol, a low rate of Buterac, that's it for weed control. So yeah. you've got to it, start with— If it's with, water hemp, though, if it's not hairy, if it's smooth stems, smooth leaves, then, yeah, you're not going to get it with an ALS. No, but I'd at least be trying the Pursuit or Raptor. And I'll, I'll just put it this way. If you get very many weeds in there, rip it up plant something else for a year or two, go back to it again. So, and then next time when you start, start with Eptam. Use four and a half pints or the full rate of Eptam. Absolutely do that. And with PNK, I'm putting three years worth of PNK out every time I'm going to start an alfalfa field and get it down in the ground. That'll help you. Uh, no I way just, to catch up. Darren sent in a couple of questions on tile. We're not going to have time to get them today. Hopefully we can catch those tomorrow, Darren. Oh yeah, we'll get them tomorrow. We did get through a lot of questions, though, Brian. I got only about three left that we didn't catch from the end of the year. So if you've got a question for us, just send it in, radio at agphd.com. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.